can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Hey, Andrea, how are you? <laughs> I'm, well, considering somebody drained almost half of my 120,000-gallon pool over the weekend, and then nobody oh, no. told me about it. <laughs> yeah, nobody told me about it until I walked up to the pool on Monday. So anyway, yeah. So it was intentional? No, they did it by accident. So what happened was it's a... um it's like one of those, uh, oh, you're listening to Talking Pools podcast, by the way. Thank you for joining us. I was going to um, say so something sooner or later if, if she <laughs> kept going, but welcome to the show, everybody. We appreciate you. And as soon as Andrea's done telling us about her rotten ass day, we'll move on to some of the other things. So <laughs> well, so this... how does somebody accidentally drain 70,000 gallons or 60,000 gallons from a swimming pool and not know? Okay. So what happened was, it, uh, so they, it's a, it's a homeowners association. So it's a little, it's their little club inside of their community where everybody lives. So anyway, they've got like their whole little, um, you know, activity center. They've got the, they've got the one big, huge pool. That's 120,000 gallons. They've got the second pool. That's like, I think it was like 32 or 42, something, somewhere around there, thousand, uh, you know, pickleball racket tennis, all that stuff. So they have swim meets there because, you know, the pool is so huge. I mean, I actually, this was the one where I did the phosphate treatment and I had the system back it. And I thought it was way more than 120,000 gallons, but I asked the health inspector and that's what she said. So, um, they had a swim meet over the weekend. I think it, this was on Saturday. Because health inspectors always have the accurate information. Is that what you're saying? Well, I figured she would have it on file somewhere. But you believe it to be accurate? No, I do not. It's not taking anything away from the health official because they probably have nothing like to do with much, this. Yeah, it seems like it's much larger than 120,000, but that's what they have it listed as. Well, you know, you know, I teach CPO classes and my CPO classes, they haven't been on site during the pandemic, but we're rolling back into that now. But you actually go and measure the pool with them. We do. We do 90% of the classes at the pool. All right, 70% of the classes at the pool. But we measure the pool by hand. And then we do the math, the calculations, and we determine the gallonage of the pool. And do you know how often the gallonage on the health department permit is correct? Probably not very often. I'd say one out of 20 are correct. Oh, wow. The rest are within five. The rest are within five to 10,000 gallons. But hmm. that's on hotel pools. Mm -hmm. So we're talking, you know, pools that are 30 to 50,000 gallons, a 5,000 gallon or 10,000 gallon margin of error is huge. Yeah. Again, not taking anything away from your health official. No. All they're going to do is, is regurgitate what it says on the permit. And that's based off of information somebody told them that we don't know if it's accurate unless you calculate the gallon at yourself. Well, you know, now that you bring that up, no, my two cents, you do. No, no, no. You make a great point because, um, 
at this same exact pool, there is a spa. Uh, this is the one that I posted the other day where they, they have it all dug out because they're redoing all the plumbing and stuff because it was losing, like, I'm talking, like, feet of water overnight. So <laughs> Yes, it looks like they... They had completely tunneled around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they cut everything out. They redid all the plumbing for the uh, for everything, all the plumbing, suction, return, the, all the jets. I think they're not doing the drain. I think that's okay. But they redid all the skimmers. Anyway, I digress. I'm getting off on a tangent here. Oh, my point was, <laughs> my point was, <laughs> I had a point. The my point was that the health inspector had the pump recorded, or not the pump, the motor recorded as a three horsepower. Um, and what was at the pool was actually a one and a half horsepower, or maybe it was the other way around. But to your point, that was incorrect. So you're right. I should just do it myself. But And do we know why there was a difference in horsepower? Because somebody replaced the motor and then didn't submit the plans like you're supposed to and, you know, all that stuff. Because in, and in Florida, Not the you know, you're that... supposed to be a lot. Andrea has just interrupted Rudy. This is the company previous that took that took over before or that was doing the pool before us. So it wasn't us. And for those, for those of you listening in Florida, you are required to be a licensed pool contractor in order to do any repairs whatsoever on a pool. The best rule of thumb is if it involves a tool, you have to be a licensed contractor. So what that's telling me, if the health department doesn't have the correct information, is that somebody who was unlicensed most likely did that repair replacement job. Probably, you know, it could have been, you know, like I said, it's a homeowners association, so they have their own maintenance people that can go and take care of whatever. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that. Can what I tell it you? Is, but... Can I say just one thing? Yeah. Nothing you have said so far <laughs> gives me the slightest inclination of why somebody drained this pool. Oh, you know, I was thinking that, but you interrupted me. I was getting there. So fair play. <laughs> so they had the swim meet on Saturday. Now I was there on Friday. I was there in the morning. It was uh, like early morning, like eight o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock. And so Saturday they have the swim meet and I guess somebody, they were, whoopsies, they were trying to turn, <laughs> they were trying to turn the lights on, you know, like the whole facility lights and the pool lights and everything. Um, and so they couldn't find it. So they just started flipping breaker switches for some reason. So they're out there, they're looking for this light switch. They can't find the light switch. It will just drain the pool. Well, they just started turning on all of the, <laughs> they started turning on all of the breakers. And one of those breakers happened to be the vac pump and it was set to waste and it, they didn't know what they were doing. Obviously they didn't know it was the vac pump and that was to waste. And so they just let it go. In what only can be described as an act of lunacy, PoolMagazine.com has given the Talking Pools podcast a reoccurring column in both its print and digital publications. You heard that right, PoolMagazine.com, the industry trade mag with a fresh new format has given a column to the unorthodox East Coast podcast, known as Talking Pools. PoolMagazine.com, known for keeping a finger on the pulse of the industry and the Talking Pools podcast, with its edgy morning radio show style format, have teamed up to provide you with the best possible swimming pool trade experience. Now don't tell me you're taking all this seriously. Let's talk about our listeners because that's why we're here. Oh, yeah. So we got a couple of shout outs. Adam 
it's Adam Remmer, Amarim, Adam Remer, Adam Remmer. I'm sorry if I pronounced the last name wrong. It's one way or the other. It's R E M E R. Want to give it a shot? I don't know. Both of us have. We're going to uh, go with Adam. Crazy Adam. Last names. Yeah, Adam, so. <laughs> Adam says, dude. Cool. Huge thank you for this podcast. I've been asking these questions for years. DPD versus Aquacheck strips and pH differences. You answered a whole lot of other questions. Also, thank you and Andrea for the podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Adam. Great feedback. We appreciate you, brother. Joel Thompson reached out after our um, pertaining to our podcast on the urea uh, crisis. He's out in <laughs> Hawaii. Is it Hawaii? Are you out in Hawaii, Joel? It's Hokalia Pool Service and Repair. Anyway, Joel Thompson says another interesting article, but he sends us another interesting article. He got so engrossed in our episode that he decided to search around a little bit more, and he got a little bit into what a huge crisis this is for agriculture industry as well. So it's not hmm. just affecting us, this urea shortage. It's affecting a lot of different types of industry across the board. And he includes a New York Times article on that. Great share. Thanks for bringing that to our attention because it puts it into perspective how bleak it could possibly be. So thanks, buddy. We appreciate you looking out. And uh, we do definitely appreciate you listening as well. Didn't you say it was used in fertilizer? It is used in fertilizer. And that's the uh, article that he sent. It's uh, cool. Covers that. I hurt my neck cleaning pools today. You're not supposed to do it with your head. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I slept on myself wrong. And then, then how by is the end that of the day today. I don't know if this is possible or not, but do you think you could actually contact your therapist, your psychiatrist, or possibly both of them and ask for a refund? <laughs> well, because I further injured myself by throwing out my net as I do. Mark Hellinger sends us an email. He's got a question. Hey, Mark. It says, hey, y'all love the show. Awesome. I'm wondering if there could be an advantage with high listen. I'm wondering if there could be an advantage with high pH precipitating out unwanted water constituents in the colder months in central Texas. We are too warm blooded to get in the water anyway. I've got a pool that uses a well for fill water, lots of calcium and other minerals. I have that snow and he's filtering it out. Could there be a merit of strategy? Or could, yeah, could there be merit to a strategy of letting the pH stay high and just letting it precipitate out on its own um, through chemistry? So he says, precipitate this stuff out in order to improve overall water quality going into the next season. What do you think? Mm, I don't know. I mean, it's sounds, sounds like a good idea. I mean, but where is it coming from? That would be the, that was my question, I guess, because if it's coming from the fill water, then you're always going to have it there, right? Unless he finds a way to precipitate it out. So, Mark, there is actually research that evidences this can occur. Documented research. I don't know if you're familiar with the folks over at On Balance, uh, Mr. Q. Hales, Doug Lotta, and Mr. Kim Skinner. But they've actually done some research here just to, and I think it was out of necessity at one point in time, but what happened was is they had a customer who had a super, super high hardness level. I think it was somewhere right around 1,200 parts per million. pH was high, 8.2, and the total alkalinity was at 180, and they were in a position where they couldn't drain the pool. I'm not sure the actual reason why, but, but they weren't able to drain the pool. So what they did was they took 70, 75 pounds of soda ash, sodium carbonate and dumped it into the pool 
And immediately that formed calcium carbonate, which turned the pool milky white. Calcium carbonate is insoluble. So the filter was able to pull it out of solution. And they ended up with a drop in calcium hardness. So we went from 1,200 parts per million down to 600 parts per million. They dropped it by 50% with 70 pounds of sodium carbonate. The final pH was in the ideal range. And I think the total alkalinity also came down as well. So we'll have to look it up and check that stuff out. But that's, again, the folks at On Balance, they've already done the research there. I don't know how widely known it is that you can lower the calcium hardness level without draining a pool. But you seem to have an idea that it could be done. And yes, the research is out there. We've also done demonstrations in my classes showing how this occurs. I've done it with sodium bicarbonate, though, not with sodium carbonate. Either one will work fine. I imagine the soda ash is going to do a little bit better of a job. But in my demonstration in class, what I do is I actually take a dose of calcium chloride. That's the chemical that we use to increase water hardness and sodium bicarbonate, which is baking soda. And I mix the two of them together. Then I add a little bit of water. The water is actually the catalyst for this reaction that occurs because the two products, when mixed together, it's really, you know, not much of nothing. But when you add a little bit of water as a catalyst, that begins a chemical reaction. And what occurs in this chemical reaction, you actually produce four different things. When the bicarb, calcium chloride, and water mix together, you produce four different things. Some salt, which you really don't notice much in the water because it's not a significant amount. You produce a little bit of water, which again, not going to notice in a swimming pool, a ton of carbon dioxide, CO2, and then you also produce the calcium carbonate. And it's pretty interesting, but we've seen this happen in swimming pools unintentionally where a tech will add a dose of bicarb and then immediately follow it with a dose of calcium chloride to increase the hardness and it turns the pool milky white because of this same reaction we just spoke of. And that cloud, that milkiness in the pool, it can last a good period of time. I'm not talking a couple of hours, I'm talking maybe a couple of days, depending on what type of filter that pool has before it actually pulls it out of solution. So that can occur. Same thing holds true if someone was to add a dose of soda ash and a dose of calcium hypochlorite at the same time. Because again, there's a lot of calcium and calcium hypochlorite. So if you add those to the water at the same time, you're going to see that same reaction occur. You're going to turn the pool milky white because of the pro of the reactions we just spoke about a, minim a minute ago, where we get carbon dioxide, uh, calcium carbonate, water, salt. Anyway, it's the calcium carbonate that you see because we have pulled it from solution. It's now insoluble, and that will stay milky white until the filter pulls it from the water which could take a time. There will be some precipitant as well, but there is a way that we can expedite it. Looking at what Q and the gang did over at On Balance, right? Instead of waiting for the filter to pull these things from the water, which could take a little bit of time, we could actually go ahead and then just treat the pool with aluminum sulfate, which should drop it all to the floor, and we can do a vac to waste the next day and essentially get the same results that the folks at On Balance did take that calcium hardness level from 1,200 parts per million all the way down to 600 parts per million within 12 hours without draining the pool. And of course, you know, you'll lose maybe three or four inches in a slow vac to waste, but that's really nothing in the scope of things. So fantastic question. Great thinking. I love the way that you're looking at this. I do think that just leaving the pH high uh, from where it is now 
over the months, probably not enough to do it unless we actually juice it with a hefty dose of soda ash or sodium bicarbonate. Uh, but I think, you know, you're definitely on the right track. Great thinking, buddy. I'm glad you brought this question up. Fantastic question. Have you ever seen somebody add calcium chloride too close to a dose of sodium bicarbonate and it clouds the whole pool milky white? I actually have not seen it in person, but somebody um, at the company that I work for just recently did it. And they call, one of the guys called me all panicked at what to do. And I was like, oh. Andrew Johnstone, friend of the show. We've heard from him before. He wants to What's know up, what we think the optimal cyanuric acid level would be if we included borates in the pool. Optimal cyanuric for chlorine degradation is 70 parts per million, but 32 to 35 seems to be the sweet spot for kill speed versus chlorine. Has there been a study of chlorine degradation with the combination of borates and cyanuric acid? He loves brain, or he is brainstorming for, cy for the cyanuric <laughs> acid. I'll get it out. He is brainstorming for the cyanuric acid shortage. Hoping for the best. Love the show. Andrew, you rock. Here's the thing. 50 parts per million is the recommended cyanuric acid level to go with when you're using borates. So that's the number that we shoot for. Thanks for the question. It, it was a great question, right? <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Do you have a question you would like Rudy and Andrea to address on the podcast? Send it to talkingpools at gmail.com. Now for our tip of the day. Don't pee in a customer's backyard, but if you must, please make sure you are not standing or squatting in front of a security camera. When we return, Andrea talks about the different ways you can handle a bad review on Google, Yelp, or social media. What do you do when you get a bad review online, on the internet, and social media, somewhere, somewhere where the world can see it? You mean besides cry? <laughs> well, that really, I mean, does any bad review make you cry or does uh, it have to be really I severe? Mean, whatever. We won't get into too much of it, but yeah, no, it's, it's, I take it personally. It's offensive to me. What we're talking about here, though, aside from any missed meds that day is. <laughs> Yo, I don't pop pills. I pop dollar dollar bills. Order filled. From a business standpoint, what do you do? Um, well, I think, I think you definitely, I mean, if it's a legitimate complaint, you know, you want to address the situation with the person who make, cause you can reply to the reviews. And should you? Um, I, not all the time, probably. I'm sure there's a, a good time to not reply, but I think most of the time a reply, some, at least something that, you know, says that you... Well, I have a surprise for you. Whatever. Okay. Oh, so I actually have pulled up the reviews from your last company. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> so what do we do? What do we Somebody <laughs> left you a bad review. What's the next step? We don't get past it crying, um, get like, over it. What do we do? <laughs> like I said, reply to the person, you know, the former customer or whatever, and... See if you can make them. I don't know. I really don't know. I I did my best to reply to the people just to show that I was, you know, wanting to make them feel, you know, make them apologize for the mistake if it was legitimate. If it was somebody that was just being a jerk, then, 
you know, somebody, one of those people that you can't please, then I would say just move on. But well, I agree with you. If it was something that you could use as a learning experience, something that you can use, you know, to help you grow or to help you, you know, fix that obviously is a problem, whatever they decided to go review you, you know, whatever they decided to complain about and actually go through the process of leaving a review and make sure everybody sees it. Obviously there's something that you did, but that's the key. That's the key word right there. I mean, yes, to all of those reasons you said you're 100% on the money, but yeah, everybody sees it. There are people waiting and watching because they want to know how you handle issues. They're thinking to themselves, gosh, if I have a problem and I happen to have Andrea's pool service, how is she going to handle it? It is going to be, you know, professional or not so much. So there are people watching. They want to see how you handle that. I come back like good fellas. I come back, baby, just to tell you. Yeah, I had um, when I was collecting accounts a couple of years ago, uh, I did have a bad review and I was um, asked by one of my new potential people that had like just hired me. And he was like, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, I saw this review and she was seemed pretty upset. So what happened with that? And I, I told him the truth. You know, I had actually she had locked the door and I wasn't able to get in and the pool turned green. But she also had a leak and they didn't want to fix it. And it was like. But I took, I took care of the green pool and, you know, whatever. It was just like one of those learning experiences. So this is an opportunity. Yes. A fantastic opportunity. Because this is an opportunity for you to advertise how you handle a problem, whether it's your fault or someone else's. I agree. So respond to the comment. You're nice, right? You don't go into long, long details. I'm sorry, Mr. Mrs. So-and-so, you feel that way. You don't need to go into excuses or like, you know, over explaining or anything like that. No, no excuses. There are no, nope. I am sorry. You feel that way. Is there anything we can do, you know, to make this right? We're sorry that you had a bad experience with our company and then just leave it at that. Now, you know, there are people that are going to come back again and fire at you. Um, Yeah, for sure. I mean, they can reply too. So it's, you know, at that point, don't engage them. Don't, you know, because then you're just going to look like you're fighting. They're trying to make you look like an ass. Mm -hmm. And the more you engage, the more they suck you in, the more they drag you into their fiery cauldron of snot, letting their lip shit fly. The more you do look like an ass. That's right. So realistically you want to stay away from that stuff you know respond once respond professionally if they come back again just let it go i agree have you ever had anybody make stuff up and leave a review um no i just had one contacted me through facebook and i went to her house one time and her apparently i caused her spa to drain Even though I didn't touch the spa, I didn't touch the equipment. I was literally there just to give her an estimate. And I was like, well, it's probably the check valve. You know, it's not a big deal. It's a real easy fix. But then it was my fault that the spa drained. Sounds like a trend with you. (gasps) What? Draining or bad reviews? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about the bad review part, but the draining. You just just started the show talking about losing 70,000 gallons of water at a pool. Not Not your fault. Here we are again 
Now it's 1,500 gallons of water. Again, it's not your fault. Where does it end, Andrea? Stop the madness. I, you know, this is why I want to get into leak detection for serious because... To fix your mistakes? No, to, to goddamn prove to people that I'm not draining their stuff. I'll tell you what, you know, that's the other thing. You ever get blamed for evaporation? No, they were trying to blame me for draining this pool, though, because the lady kept asking me. She's like, are you sure you didn't do it on Friday? Did you backwash or anything on Friday? I'm like, no, I didn't backwash at all because there isn't even. So we keep DE powder on site at these places and there was none left. So I had to write up a work order to get or a service call to get more DE. So why would I backwash if I didn't even have any? DE powder. Well, let's let's keep it on topic. Let's keep it on topic. So Mrs. So-and-so at the HOA decides to go online and complain. And she says, Andrea, perfect pool girl, my ass, she drained half my pool. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> okay, so I, <laughs> you know, I, I would address her concerns and just like I did in person, because she is legitimately trying to say that I did it. Um, you know, I was there on Friday. I, I covered all of my, I double, double checked all my steps that I go through. And this, this is your response in the message. I was there on Friday. I double checked all of my steps. Okay. But this wouldn't be something you'd put in a response to a review. So what would go there? Cause you wouldn't I... go with all these excuses or justifying that you did your job correctly right off the bat. Would no, you? this is what I said to her. Okay. And obviously, well, that's what you were saying. I did all my double checks no. and this, that, and the other thing. And right. Well, because the topic of this is responding to bad reviews not face-to-face -face altercations. That's next week's show when we, as we approach Canadian Boxing Day, which did you know, oddly enough, has nothing to do with hitting people. Does it have to do with actual boxes? I believe it cool. does. That's very Canadian. If we have it, it we're going to Google it because we don't like to be ignorant about the cultures of people who listen to us. And those are our neighbors that we did not try to build a wall around. So we... <laughs> are going to what we're going to take extra steps and take a look not that we have any problems with anybody from the south either but you know there is kind of like a half a wall standing there <laughs> all right so what would i say if this was if i got this review online yeah um I really you lady i mean i can't <laughs> pick up see, when I, <laughs> I wish but see like when i get stuff like this i can't think of a response like that off the top of my head i mean Got to think about that for a little while, at least an hour. At least an hour, but it's been a while. <laughs> so you get this review, and how would you respond to it? You accidentally drained half my pool. You know, no, we determined that was done by your staff as they tried to adjust the lighting. So then people who read it will look at it. Anything she comes back and says after that will make that person look bad. And here's the thing that we don't understand a lot of times, and you know it's true because you have this skill set also. You can read through reviews on somebody else's business, product, whatever, and tell which reviews are written by trolls and which people are just trying to egg somebody into a fight and yes. the fact that the company still handled themselves professionally and then stepped out and let that person rant on like a lunatic that they are. So you shouldn't worry about that when it happens on your yes. side. They complained, you responded, no matter how many times they come back after that, you did your job, you're done. Let them go. Eventually they'll stop or they'll show up in your driveway, one or the other. <laughs> it's, it's Florida, stand your ground. Um, well, that's when 
That's when you get out your pole and your brush and you start swinging. What about just plain trolls, people that you've never taken care of their pool? People get reviews. People get bad reviews all the time from customers they never had. I think you can dispute that and get those removed. Oh, no, no? but you cannot. You can't? I thought you could. Oh, no, you're right. I'm sorry. So you have no choice but to respond to that because, again, people are watching. So what do you do? You must have us confused with a different company. We've never been to your house. I don't live in Los Angeles. I don't know what to tell you. The big important part here in this whole section, though, is that you have to respond and you have to respond professionally. And you do not let them engage, drag you into an argument. Oh, that would, you know, make you look the best out of all the scenarios. More The most professional, obviously, yeah. Because they might try. Right. And no matter what comes, whether you're wrong, whether you're right, you answer it professionally, don't go in there all hoity toity saying, you know, well, you're just stupid and I'm not. And don't do that. Don't treat it that way because people are looking at these because if you argue back with that person, anybody who reads that review going forward is going to get the idea that if they should have any problem with you whatsoever, you're going to argue with them. If you handle it professionally, they're going to know no matter what the problem is. And look at how much that person even ranted that Andrea's pool service still handled the problem professionally. I was working on a poem for this. And, you know, it's, it's one of those, it's for children. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very censored. So... "'Twas the night before Christmas and out by the pool I couldn't add chlorine I felt like a fool Off to the distributor I waited with care In hopes that three-inch tablets soon would be there The chemistry was off according to my test A huge dose of acid would surely be best Unfortunately, they were out of that too I had no idea what I was going to do When off the port of Los Angeles There arose such a clatter The cargo ships couldn't dock Because something was the matter Away to my Facebook I flew like a flash Went right to the groups all ready to bash It was a workforce shortage They said was to blame no people no buckets no transportation the same when what to my wondering eyes should appear but another price increase letter just as i'd feared i had just raised my fees i'll have to do it again another letter i'll send i just don't know when what will i tell my clients that they'll understand listing the shortages that was my plan no trichlor no liquid no buckets no shock no salt cells no equipment not a damn thing in stock we've had to change protocols and add specialty chems i'm raising your prices but we'll probably have to do it Again. You know <laughs> You should be a rapper. Oh my gosh, Rudy the rapping pool man. Everybody have a great Christmas. Have a fantastic New Year's. Yes. Have a great Christmas. Have an awesome New Year. And um as usual, uh leave us nice reviews. Follow us everywhere. Join our groups. Ask us questions. I like the questions. Ask us questions. It's fun. Anyway, that's it because I got to I gotta run. So thanks for listening and keep listening. All right, everybody. We appreciate you. Like Andrea said, she has to go. She has the runs. Not the runs. No, I have to run. Enjoy. Bye.
I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 